Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Well, hello, hello, and hello again. Happy Friday. I always love to say it. Welcome to Career Combat. My name is Kelly Combat. And in case you've never met me before, I do use she, her pronouns. And what is the purpose of our show? Our show is all about careers. That's why we have it in the name. Exactly. If you say it, you can claim it. You always have to say it. Exactly. And we are on the Empowerment Channel for a reason, not for a season, but for a reason. And that reason is so that you are empowered to really make moves, make tracks in your own life. And we have career combos. We have lots and lots of career conversations. Sometimes we have a laser-focused, really laser-focused idea that we want to explore a bit further. Things like, I got the job, now what? And then sometimes we have just the most special guests on earth. And today is no exception. And as your career gladiator, I am all about illuminating really, really top talent. My special guest today, her name is Tramel D. Jones. That's T-R-A-M-E-L-L-E-D Jones. Tramel D. Jones. Now, let me tell you about Tramel. So when I think about Tramel, I think about all of her roles. She's a business owner, over 10 years, a facilitator, a navigator. She's a speaker. She's a storyteller and a transformer. I'm not talking like, Optimist Prime here. I'm talking like transforming people's lives. Isn't that amazing? And she's a career architect. And when I go back to the thing I just said earlier about Tramel being a storyteller, it's funny because I was, I'm a bit of a nerd. <laughs> if you've listened to this show before, you know that. I did some research on the name Tramel, and there's only been 16 people with that name born in the U.S. in over 100 years. And the origin of the name Tramel is, drumroll please, storyteller. Isn't that cool? <laughs> well, I want to welcome Tramel D. Jones. Wow. I, You know, I'm going to have to tell my mom. <laughs> you know, my mom thought she was making this name up. I have a cousin with a similar name. She yeah. Changed- a syllable and she felt like this was, you know, definitely the name no one had. In college, I found out that wasn't true. The 16 people that you're referring to, I'm probably friends with them. Really? I, <laughs> yes. I searched for Tramel on Facebook. Yes. And I found quite a few of them. I'm still friends with them today. Wow. That is so cool. Yes. Thank you for that intro. That was amazing. Oh, you're so, so welcome. You deserve it. I mean, when I first met you, I found you to be so motivational, so authentic, and we I know both of us were like, yeah, let's do this. Cross collaboration. <laughs> you know, we both have our own businesses. Let's do this. Let's yes. let's raise ourselves on each other's platforms. So I was right. all about it. Yeah. And in 
are, you know, certainly in our true fashion on this show, uh, you know, these these calls are live. <laughs> we are live and in full effect. Absolutely. And in honor of my days in radio, I, I thought I'd keep it that way because it's really important to be authentic. And I think that that's what your work is all about. So our our questions are they're they're live. They're not pre-planned. They're not packaged. They're not padded. None of those things. So Tramel has no idea what I'm going to ask her. But of course, this is all about authenticity and honesty and 100% respect. So there are no gotcha moments on this show. So my first question for you, Tramel, since you are a storyteller, what's your story? Wow, that's such a good question. I have a very long story. I could talk all day, but I'm going to give you (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, um, I come from Texas. And when I was in high school, I was the kind of person who, you know, talked a lot. You can probably tell. They didn't leverage that. (laughs) I got in trouble. So when I came out of high school, I actually had no intention of doing anything. Um, Career planning wasn't a thing that was offered to me much in high school. So when I left high school, I just thought I would get a job at McDonald's um, and be an ordinary person. But then, of course, the fact that I wasn't ordinary kind of threw a bit of a wrench in that plan. So I actually went into a nonprofit organization and AmeriCorps program here in San Antonio where I did leadership development over um, the school year. So we're talking about like 10 months. It changed my life. Mm. I got to do the kind of work in my community that allowed me to see people from all types of um, demographics, socioeconomic areas. I mean, I learned so much and I, I really like to go this far back to tell my story because I find that when I talk to people about their careers, because of course me being a career coach, I'm such a career nerd. I want to know everybody's story. It always goes back to this one space where they realized they could do a thing. And it was in this program I realized I could do a thing. I was voluntold in this AmeriCorps program to do a resume class. I was 18. Oh my gosh. I was working with adults who were in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, who were homeless adults. And I was taught, told to do this class. You can imagine the pressure, right? Like I, I obviously am not bringing a wealth of knowledge. I've been armed with a book. Like uh, these people know more than me. It was a huge um, kind of, uh, I think I had to show up in that moment. And if I hadn't, the story wouldn't look the same. So I believe that's where my story started. In that moment, I really was just authentic with that group and said, hey, I don't know more than you, but what I can do is ride this with you. And so we did a lot of work on, um, you know, pulling out the things that they did in their careers that they loved and, you know, identifying the things that they wanted to do. We we wrote poetry. We we processed a lot of the fears and the the problems that had happened in their past so that we could figure out what the the future would look like and to try and manifest the most positive future possible. That's what I did at 18. Wow. So you can imagine that I grew that skill over the last so many years, right? And so now the work that I do, I really focus on helping people leverage their past successes, 
I think people are successful, but are so close to it, they don't see themselves as successful. And so they continue to want to mine new skills. Oh, well, I should go get this certificate. I should go back to school. I should do that. Nothing's wrong with those things. But if you haven't taken the time to leverage your past successes and really move as far forward as you can with those, adding new skills is really going to be clunky for you. You're going to find yourself to be overqualified almost all the time. So I focus on leveraging people's past successes and then, you know, working to increase their salaries with those successes. I love the way that you just illuminated all the things that you've been through. And, and, and at such a very young age, I, I love the fact that you were also holding space for these folks, f- holding yes. space for the, the respect in, in that, yes, they were unhoused at the, at the moment. Yeah. And at the same time, you were making sure that they were getting that self-esteem back, that they were getting their yes. glory for the things that they were really good at. Yeah. I find that almost all of the work that I do, it's not on the front page of my website. It's not the thing that's written in my byline for marketing. It it really is a background thing. It's confidence building. When people come to me, honestly, I believe every resume tells a story, right? So people will come to me and do a resume review. I'll read their resume and I read between the lines. I read for what I know that they've done and is not there just based on the other things that are stated. Yes. And I talk to them as the person I see them as, not as the person they're showing up as on that paper. And so a lot of times those conversations are like, well, I could do that instead of, well, this is all I've been afforded. Right. It's so beautiful. confidence billing is huge in the work that I do. And I, I, I'm not quite sure that that's the case with all career coaches. But I know for me, when you can give a person that truthful confidence boost, right? Because I don't, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that you can do something that is quite obvious that you can't, right? I want for you to find a job where you're going to be able to be paid what you're worth. So I'm going to tell you the truth. But the thing is, most people don't realize that the the truth is within them. They're still working probably a good, like I, I would say 10, 20 years behind where their skills is already taken them, but they just haven't sure. arrived there yet. Exactly that. And one of the things that I was inspired by learning more about you was that going back to the beginnings that you felt invisible. And I, oh my gosh, I resonated with that so much because there are times when you are maybe in your youth or, you know, navigating school or things like that. For a lot of us, there's a sense of being the only or feeling as if you don't belong. So could you tell me more about what that's like to navigate when you do feel invisible and how you got out of that? I think um, when I think of the concept of feeling invisible, unfortunately, it comes from two places. The first place and, and the easiest place for me to work with with my clients is from within. When I was working and I've had almost every job, Not because I can't keep a job, but because when I did that AmeriCorps program, we did all kinds of work throughout the community within a year, and I did two years. So I've built a a roof. (laughs) Um, Oh, my. 
Yeah, I've I've done construction. I've done um, you know direct service. I've done a lot of stuff when I was in college during my um, programs where we would go out into the community. So I've done so many different things, and so I I identified as okay. I'm very idealistic. I want to get this job, and I have these big plans. But when I walked in, I didn't feel safe. So mm. I wouldn't say all of the things I was thinking. I held on to my ideas. I was worried that I would be shunned for them. So within myself, I was dealing with this invisibility because I was worried about what would happen, right? So I, I believe that that's only one part of that. I think the other part of the invisibility is the people who win when you feel invisible, right? And I've been toying just the last few months with this concept of, um, well, it's capitalism, but if we are made to be quiet, it means we're not competition for others. Ooh. The hard part is who Ooh. is it that's making us quiet? And I don't believe it's us. I believe that it is society. I believe True. it's capitalism. I believe it's organizations that have benefited from people staying in positions, doing the same work for many, many years, and they're capping people's creativity. I don't, I don't think that you're going to see that written on the wall when you walk in. You won't know that from the beginning, right? But if you're not observant, if you're not self-aware, you'll try very hard to thrive in that space and True. keep hitting your head. And I think that's where the source of that invisible feeling comes from. Now, it sounds daunting, but yes. I do believe that there's a way to get out of that. And that's what I work with my clients on. I love that. I love that because it really provides that that peace that we always talk about on this yes. show, protecting your peace. Yes. Uh, and the first step of getting help, getting support, contacting TDJ Consulting, what do your clients need to do? What do they need to do in order to get the ball rolling and, and put the action under their feet? I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Ah. So... If you'd like to schedule a resume review and career strategy session with me, there are probably about, I don't even know how many questions, maybe 10 or 12. And I'm asking you to kind of be a little vulnerable. Um, okay. I, I don't expect for you to spill your entire guts, right? But I'm asking questions in a way that will help me identify what's a strategy that we can put in place to get you to your next goal faster, right? So if you're looking to, to work with me, you're kind of going to need to go a little deeper. I think that's the biggest thing to begin with. With the answers to those questions, I want to create, again, a safe space, a supportive space, and I want to create authenticity. I'm never going to push my clients to do something they don't want to do. What I want is to fully understand what it is they really want and then guide them to that, right? So what that means is I have clients who come to me and they don't want to be in management or they don't want to be um, at the top of the ladder because they have something on the side that is really their passion. And so they don't want to over-invest at work. Well, I'm not going to tell them that's wrong. Instead, I'm going to help them to create ways to make that work for them. And making it work for them 
is honoring them. Once again, it goes back to that, yes. that value system that you seem to have that really honors people to their yes. core. That's exactly it. I love that. Speaking of honoring, how do you honor your own mission? Such a good question. So for me, I, I spend a lot of time alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. and let me tell you why. Um, I'm such a giver, right? That when I'm coaching clients or when I'm working to train or when I'm a speaker, I really am putting it all out there. I'm giving so much of myself. I'm being present for people. It's um, a lot of emotional output that it requires me to have recharge afterwards. And I actually plan my week or day based on the need for that recharge. So a lot of people may come to me and try to get appointments at certain days or times and I'll say no. And they're like, well, can you do it this time? And I'm like, I'm I'm so sorry because there are other things I've built into my life to make sure that I get that recharge moment for me because if I'm no good, I can't help you. And so I think sometimes that's hard because we haven't been taught that. We haven't been taught. No, we haven't. We've been taught that you go, 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 go. What? You need a nap. What's wrong with you? Come on. We got to keep going. No, I can't live that way. So for me, I make sure that I recharge. It's built into my life. I love that. And no is a full sentence. (laughs) No, no is an actual full sentence. Yes. And I love the fact that you're keeping the promise to yourself and you're honoring your work. You're honoring the fact that at the end of the day, if, you, if you're not good, if, if your battery level, yeah, we always talk about the battery level. If your battery level is at 5%, how in the world are you going to be able to support your clients? Exactly. And the hard part is um, sometimes people don't want to hear that. And so I may get a, a negative review, but- True. Once we have the the moment of, I don't want to say confrontation, or the moment of explanation, I'll say that, that I want to be there fully for them. And that's why I'm saving this space for me. It also is a pointer. It tells me they're not doing that for themselves. It tells me we need to have that conversation about where their energy level is and what they're giving to their job versus giving to their family versus giving to themselves. Spot on. And we've been speaking with Tramel D. Jones, and we are about to take a really, really short break, but here's what you do. You grab a snack, (laughs) you grab a nice beverage, and you come on back. Thanks for listening. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? 
check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. I hope you grabbed a snack. You've got your favorite winter beverage. Mine happens to be coffee. I love me some bone broth as well, but that's all good. We're here with Tremel D. Jones, and we're going to continue our conversation. Before the break, we were talking about lots of things, how she started TDJ Consulting, what the focus of her business is, and now I thought it would be really important to really get to the nitty-gritty of things. When you think about the space of folks needing to have that psychological safety and feeling that Mm -hmm. sense of belonging. Tramel, what do you think people get wrong mostly about being inclusive? Oh, that is such a complex question. I think um, when it comes from the space of who's supposed to be creating that inclusive space, I think we get that wrong. It's not necessarily one person. It really should be all of us. Um, I think that if we put it on one person, it's definitely going to go wrong all the time because we all have a different understanding of inclusion and we all have different needs. Many of us won't know what the other person needs, so it needs to be a well-rounded conversation. I don't want to make it sound like what I'm saying is it is the responsibility of the unincluded to create this space. Oh, good point. But what I'm saying is I think it is helpful that we all connect to have a conversation so that the inclusion works. If someone puts something into place, it needs to be um, lived in and then it needs to be evaluated. It can't be just one person saying, hey, this is what we've decided inclusion is. We've created this. Good luck to you. Goodbye. Right. So I think the thing that we're getting wrong is we're just allowing for maybe one voice or one group of voices to say what inclusion is. And we're not necessarily opening up that conversation for the re-evaluation of what's been created. Does that make sense? It does. It's so spot on. At the end of the day, we have to keep reevaluating yes. our 
what I like to call our values operating system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a concept that I've been building, thinking about how often how often we're updating our iOS or whatever system yep. that you're using with your phone or yeah. your 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 uh, you know your computer or any of these devices that we have. But yeah. yet, when's the last time that we looked at our values and updated that? And yeah. we all have that power. I, I hear you loud and clear because. You know, at the end of the day, think about how often we exclude folks more often than we include folks. Yeah. Because at work, you it's not really the responsibility of the DEI lead or or just the person at the top, the CEO. You can actually be very uh, active in excluding folks all yeah. the time. And and I want to be clear, like, I, the, obviously, the person in power needs to allow for space but I just don't think they can be the only voice, right? Because I've had some friends who are really passionate about practical DE&I and they have really great ideas and they get into these positions, but then unfortunately are fired for implementing things that may not look like what, you know, management wanted. So I I don't always believe that it should just be this one voice or one group of voice. I think that management needs to make space for it, but it needs to be a group effort to continue to reevaluate it. Spot on. And it reminds me of a uh, a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. about uh, the difference between a moment and a movement is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that sacrifice happening, then of course, like you said, that that quieting of the voices will absolutely happen. We've got to get out of our own. I love what you said about like um, comparing it to updating your phone or the iOS system, right? Even myself, there's there's new information that's being entered into the stratosphere all the time. I find myself yes. having to check my own theories based on new information that I hear quite often. So I love that concept. I wish that it was more of a, if if we needed to be something that's structured, maybe it's quarterly that we reevaluate this or monthly that we reevaluate this, but that you're right. You know, inclusion is constantly being introduced with new bits and pieces that need to be moved into the conversation. So it can't be a one-time thing. I'm really happy to see that organizations are creating panels, are creating um, positions for DE&I. I'm hoping that this continues, right? Because this is something we've seen just in the last five years or so to take a real... Um, you know, push. I want to. Con- I want to see that continue. You mentioned passion earlier, and I-, I wanted to build from that word because I think passion definitely matters uh, when it comes to how we navigate our lives. I mean, we yeah. only get one life to live. I know that used to be a soap opera, but <laughs> well, we do. It's true. We only have one life to live. So, my question for you, Tramel, is: What do you think holds us back? from claiming our career joy or happiness? That's such a good question. So I think there's there's a few things. Um, if I had to name one, I think it's fear. Fear. Right? Mm-hmm. But the, the hard part about that is fear shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, and so fear itself is just the umbrella. Um, within that, I think there's a couple of different things, right? There, there is this sense of... 
Um, how much do I want to invest? Because I've seen other people invest and I didn't like the outcome that I saw from them. So I'm okay. making this decision. I'm never investing there again because so-and-so invested and it didn't work out for me, for them. So it won't work out for me, right? So some of that fear comes from observation. I also think that some fear comes from past experience, right? So maybe in your youth, or in your early professionalism, you experience something. It could be uh, microaggression. It could be bias. It could be, you know, even just um, bad management in your career. And that stunted your growth because you didn't want to continue to be hurt in that way, right? So it could be that fear. Um, the other thing is, I think sometimes people have a fear of success. So, you know, I have this hope and dream. I want to do this thing, but oh my God. If I get to it, there's going to be this huge expectation. Will I live up yes. to that? Do I have the ability to do that? So there's a couple of different ways I think fear shows up, but I think it can pretty much be umbrellaed under fear. I like the way that you whittled it down to that one word, and it does. We get in our own way. Uh, and building off of that fear, how do you think that relates to how people show up when they get a job offer and they are not really negotiating for themselves or getting the salary that they deserve. I think it depends on how they um, internalize why they got the number that they got. Some people are not negotiating because they don't believe that they have the skills to do that thing. So why would I ask for more? Ah, yes. Right. And so that's one way. And then the other is, you know, some people maybe asked um, a colleague, should I negotiate? And someone told them they don't have money at that company, so don't. Mm. So then come in with this almost, um, what is the word? Resentment, right? And you show up saying, well, I took this job, but they can't afford me. I'm not going to totally invest myself here. There's a, I, I see things in so many different ways, right? So when you take a job offer and you haven't negotiated, this is what I tell my clients. On the other end of the table, it's fiscally responsible for that organization to not offer you more than what you ask. It's Spot fiscally, on. Fiscally responsible. They're doing their job. But there's an expectation that you're going to push back. You're supposed to push back. If you don't, unfortunately, that is your choice. So I tell my clients, do and literally I posted this today. You countering the offer isn't going to make it delete. It won't go away. You need to negotiate. You need to counter. Regardless of where the fear comes from that you shouldn't, you should, right? So I see it playing out in a lot of different ways when people do take these positions where they didn't negotiate. Maybe they end up with a number they're either okay with or they're unhappy with, and it, it can really stunt their growth. Sometimes um, it, can, it can happen in a way where we know that if we negotiate at the beginning of a position, it's going to be very hard to match the increase over time where you could have negotiated for maybe a good 5% increase over 10 years, you may only get two to three 
Um, and so sometimes people don't realize that they're leaving so much on the table. Yes. So I, I really push my clients to understand that this is not personal. They didn't look at you and say, hey, don't give them any money. It's literally their job to not give you anything. But the expectation is that you will push. And pushing is not going to deter the offer. They will still have a job for you. But where you land really has to do with the amount of effort you put in that negotiation. You are speaking nothing but the truth. <laughs> Absolutely nothing but the truth. And I can say that wholeheartedly uh, because of my background in human resources and hiring folks and, and so many things that you just mentioned about people having this idea that, oh, if I just accept, then of course the offer will stay. But if I push back, if I negotiate, if I ask for 5% more, then they're going to retract the offer. And th that could be nothing further from the truth. It, yeah. The offer will not go away. Now, obviously, if there are uh, budgetary concerns, meaning yeah. that the job ends up not even being something that they can actually do, then of course it's going to go away. But it's yeah. not based off of you asking for what you deserve. And and to be clear, I mean, I worked in nonprofits for the bulk of my career and I was working in areas of funding. So yes. I've seen positions disappear due to funding disappearing, right? Yes. Um, so I, I should say that obviously that can happen, but it's not a result of you negotiating. Correct, correct. And I remember years ago, I was... Uh, looking for a more of a specialist role, a recruitment role at the beginning of my career. And literally it was a, I mean, I had the job, I accepted the offer. Of course I asked for more because I was always told to do that. Um, yeah. And so it was the Friday before I was starting on that Monday and I got the call saying that the job was not funded, that they weren't allowed to bring it. There was a hiring freeze basically. Yep. Yep. They were not allowed to bring the job in, and they said it was probably going to be on hold for about six months. Yeah. So, of course, I had to go back to square one. But, again, that had nothing to do with the fact that I asked for what I deserved because they accepted it, and they signed off and sent me the offer and everything. But these things can happen. Yeah. What definitely. have your clients experienced when it comes to the – we talked about the highs, but what about the lows that they experience when it comes to stories like that? Last minute, they don't get the job or last minute, it's not funded. It can be an emotional whirlwind for people. And I understand that. Um, when I work with clients, there is a part of what I do that is a little closer to emotional support, mm -hmm. right? Um so I, I actually tell my clients that regardless of how you've separated from a job, you need to mourn the loss, right? If, it, if that means that you quit, if that means you were fired, if that means that you didn't get to start because funding disappeared, whatever the reason, you need to mourn the loss. And here's the reason why. I once was fired and it was the first time I was fired. I loved that job. I gave my all to this job. I un unfortunately was fired wrongly. This is a time when I lived in Lubbock, Texas. Um, and there were some things that came out of that 
but I actually ended up on top in the end. But the entire process was emotional. Yes. So the first interview I went to, I hadn't started working as a career coach, just FYI. The first interview I went into, they asked me about the past position. I cried. I was still so emotionally caught up in what had happened to me. I had not processed it. I was just trying to hurry up and get into a new position that when that was brought up, I cried. So I always tell my clients, let's process the past so that we can move forward in this future. I give space for my clients to talk about what happened, whether they feel they were wronged, whether they feel like they could have done more, whatever the case, I give them that safe space to talk about it in however they feel. And then we come up with language to discuss it so that they can continue moving forward. I don't think there's a single time where as a coach, and I'm sure you can agree, where as a coach that I'm not learning from my clients. And I learn from every single guest that I've had on this show so far. And you are just dropping so much science, Tramel. (laughs) I mean, what you just said about mourning the loss and, and that concept, I was actually thinking of it in a way of, of yes, loss, uh, you know, layoff, Mm-hmm. temporary layoff, all those things. Uh, but I never thought about it from a standpoint of I resigned and I need to mourn that. Yeah. Over the years, I always went from one job to the next. I think maybe one job I had a break. One, maybe one job. And so that's my takeaway coming from our conversation today that, you know, if there's ever in the, my future that, that, point in time where I need to grieve, I absolutely need to do it. Well, and it doesn't even have to be that there's a break, right? I'm not telling people to like not job search during that time, right? But what I'm saying is emotionally, there are things that are going to come up for you that if you don't process, you'll take with you to the next job. And we don't want Yes. Right. So I have a lot of clients who, again, I worked in nonprofits. A lot of nonprofit professionals tend to give their all, their everything, and they don't give back to themselves. And I'm trying to get them to make that change before they go into their next position so that there's balance for them. And there's nothing like that balance because you're right. You don't process it whatever way you process, whether it's you know, mm-hmm. drink some bone broth or or yeah. speak to speak to a career coach or or even if it's about, you know, things from the past, speaking to a therapist. We always talk about having a whole squad of folks, uh, that internal board of directors that, if you will, you can rely on to be able to speak through these things. It'll come out in the wash with the next yeah. role and you yeah. won't have the ability to stop it. Like when you just said, you were asked and you just started becoming very emotional because you hadn't acknowledged it. Yeah. Yep. That acknowledgement is critical and crucial. And so speaking of acknowledging, (laughs) we're going to acknowledge the fact that we need to take a break. We need to take a break just for a few moments. In the meantime, we're going to be coming back very shortly with Tramel D. Jones. Thanks for listening.
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. And what a lovely, lovely reminder that you, in fact, design the show. It's all designed around you. Lots of feedback I've gotten over time. You can always call in. You can also send us a note at yes at kellycoach.com. That's Y-E-S at K-E-L-L-I-C-O-A-C-H dot com. So we are back with Tramel D. Jones. And I was thinking, you know, before the break, we earlier were talking about the fact that Tramel does it all. I mean, let's face it. Let's face facts. Tramel does so much. She's a coach. She's a consultant. She motivates. She inspires. And in her speaking gigs, there's so much fire and passion. I mean, you're you're hearing a little bit of it today in in her voice, and and she just really resonates with so many of you. I'm sure. I would love to ask you, Tramel, what is your favorite kind of speaking engagement? Oh, that's such a good question. So obviously I do quite a few different types of speaking engagements. Um, I've been an MC more times than I can count where I okay. am just the person who's coming in and out. I love those gigs as well. Um, I actually have um, done some work where I'm the showrunner behind the scenes. No one knows that. That's new information. Um, <laughs> my absolute favorite is... The experiences that I get when I can go back to a group that I've worked with in the past and we have kind of a relationship and I get to continue that relationship. And I'm really speaking specifically about um, some work that I did in the past. My absolute favorite job was when I worked as the employment specialist for foster youth here in San Antonio for about five years. The time that I worked at that organization, we cultivated the absolute best team. We mm. were such a well-organized group. And we I say cultivated because when I first got there, no one talked. 
Can you imagine me working in an office where no one talks? It, there wasn't. There's no way I could have lasted. So what I ended up doing was I, I went into all of my colleagues' offices and I started conversations. And then I started doing things like we would have um, chili cook-offs or weight loss challenges, or we would do all these things to get together. We did. We had a kickball team. We had so much fun that eventually our team became so close. We trusted each other. And the services that we were able to provide those foster youth really enriched. We put up big numbers as a result of that cultivation. So you asked me, what are my favorite speaking engagements? I actually go back and I still connect and work with those youth. So um, actually over the weekend, I got a chance to go and do a speaking engagement with a local program that supports foster youth after they have aged out of um, the system, right? Okay. And so the topic was all about confidence building. <laughs> We've talked so much about that today, but um, afterwards, I always get young people who come to me and say, you know, what you said really helps. And they'll ask additional questions. I love, 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 love these experiences because it's like I get to step back into that direct service mode where I can support them specifically where they are. And it's not me just bringing a generic topic, yes. but I get to build on it one-on-one -on -one with them. So that is my favorite. When I can go back and work with a group of people who I'm so passionate about already, and I'm building on the things that I've done in the past. I can hear it in your tone, how, how very special these folks are to you. And it keeps you coming back. I mean, that, yes. that's, the, that's the sign, isn't it? Yes. And the, I mean, the thing is, it's not that I'm coming back because I want to. They, they seem to enjoy it. They ask. Yeah. For, right? Like, um, I got a message from my friend that works for the organization. He was like, everybody has such rave reviews for you. We're so excited that you continue to come back. And I was like, keep me on the roster. I'm happy to sure. do it. But I also get to have additional conversations because I, I offer them free um, resume reviews. And so I, even since this weekend, when I did my latest speaking engagement with this group, I had a couple of resume reviews with their students. And so it I just absolutely love it. It is my favorite thing in the whole world. And because you are balancing so many things from your consulting to, yeah. uh, like you said, being an MC and... Uh, and and being paid for your motivational speeches and things like that yeah. across the board. And maybe this is a hard question uh, to answer, but across the board, what do you believe your clients are mostly craving? I think it's somebody who is willing to listen and understand their point of view. Okay. Because I think when... Because I'm constantly doing a lot of research for my clients. When someone comes to me and they're in a specific industry, I want to create marketing products for them that are current and competitive. So I'm doing a lot of research for them in their industry. And the things that come up almost create this need for cookie cutter. And 
that's the one thing I won't do for my clients. I don't want you to sound like everybody else. Yes, we are going to be inspired by what industry language says that's going to be included. I want keywords and I want for your market, marketing materials, whether that be your resume, your LinkedIn profile. Um, I want these things to be SEO searchable, right? But I want for people to see them. So yes. I have to take a lot of time to listen. I no longer offer resume services on their own. And the reason is each of my packages comes with um, one specific session called strategic career mapping. And it's where I help clients identify what are their next few steps, not just the next step, but the steps after that so that we can work towards that. And the thing my clients probably don't realize is I'm really taking that time to get to know them, to listen to them, to understand them. By the end of the session, I feel like I can write a resume that is in their voice. So I think that's the thing that people need. They need someone who's not going to make them into, um, you know, the square hole, but allow for them to be the circle that they truly are brilliant at. We just all want to belong. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is something, it doesn't matter uh, any of your identities or uh, what makes you unique. We all just want to feel as if we have been heard, of course, yes. and that we have that sense of belonging. Yeah. And I think with that sense of belonging, you actually flourish. You do. When you feel heard, when you feel seen, when you feel understood, it's so much easier for you to show up. It's easier yes. for you to, to be better, right? And so I'm always telling my clients there's this balance between there is space where you do need to pay attention to what everyone else is doing, but you should always be bringing your secret sauce and just mm. sprinkling that on top, right? It's not that the entire uh, plate is going to be secret sauce. Your secret sauce, it's the accent to that plate. Right. So I I think a lot of people, when I speak with them in those sessions, are worried that if they are themselves, that that will throw them out of the running or they feel like they have to hide huge parts of themselves, which makes going to work awful. Um, I had an, a conversation with somebody recently. They've done a lot of work in um, nonprofits in helping them to. Uh, market themselves to different grant organizations so that they can get funding. Okay. Helping them to analyze and report their data in a way that um, is exciting for funders. But this person was now changing their career over to tech, right? And so they kept telling me, well, maybe I need to delete all of my nonprofit work because I don't feel like corporate America will respect that. And the one question I asked, and I ask many of my clients is, if they don't, do you want to work for them? Ooh. There is a place where the people who are your people are hiring. That's right. You don't need to try and pander to the others. Be you. I told them, I said, You're, you've worked with all of these different tech organizations by using their software to help the organizations deal with their data, why don't you go work for them? They understand. And you've got a leg up because you understand the front and back office. 
Instead of worrying about trying to break into a whole new sector of people who don't understand nonprofit organizations, you're going to feel like you're not yourself. And it took a while. This person was very like, I don't know about that. You know, the the advice I've been given is I just don't need to show that part of myself. And I'm like, well, let's look at your resume. It's more than 10 years. How will you disguise more than 10 years of experience moving forward? It's impossible. It's like cutting off an arm, right? And so that's where I think that vulnerability comes in, that um, authenticity comes in, that balance comes in. The hard part is people do not realize that when they're saying no to something, they're saying yes to something else. So often, you know, if I say no to these corporate organizations that seem to have all the power and all the money, um, it means that, you know, oh, what was me? My options are low. But that's not the truth, right? The truth is you're actually saying yes to all of the organizations that get you. You're saying yes to opportunities where the work you're doing comes easy to you and it'll be easy to thrive. So I really want anybody really listening, I want for you to lead with your authenticity. Find the organizations that are doing the work in the niche where you are doing your best work. And it might take a little bit more searching You may have to do a little bit more research. You may need to talk to more people, but I promise you it's out there. It's out there indeed. Oh my gosh. So inspirational. Wow. I mean, just, (laughs) ah, I'm like hanging on every single word. Wow. In 2024, Tramel. Yeah. What's your dream goal? Wow. Okay. So um, I've been doing this work as TDJ Consulting for the last 10 years. It's been great. I love it. Um, my, my hope for 2024 is to go ahead and cultivate a team. I need to bring some people on. I want to continue to, nice. to my focal point training and speaking and being, um, more face forward. And so I'm going to need support on the back end. So I'm actually looking to hire maybe an assistant or, um, an office manager. So that's my goal for 2024. Nice. And it will happen. I know it will because it's you. you. (laughs) Because it's you, Tramel D. Jones. Wow. I mean, what a great conversation today. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being able to have the time to speak to the audience today. Uh, I mean, just amazing stuff. So many nuggets. So thank you once again. And in terms of my acronyms. You know, if you've been listening, everyone out there, you know I love me some acronyms. I say it every (laughs) single episode. Uh, ABC, we've talked about in the past, always be charging. We charge our phones all the time. We charge our iPads all the time, our laptops. But when was the last time you charged you? Yeah, we always talk about ABC, always be charging. But Hmm. ABC actually is another acronym for yet another one. And that is act, begin, and continue. Mm. Act, begin, and continue. Keep it moving. Keep it going. I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, see ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. 
We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week. <laughs>